Hello and welcome to Generation Blank. I am your host, Carl, and I'm here in beautiful Onaway, Michigan, just finishing up a education conference with my union brothers and sisters, and I got a few of them with me. I'm going to start to my right. Hi, hi, my name's Gene, UAW, Local 1753, Lansing, Michigan. All right, Gene. Josh Handley, Local 94, Dubuque, Iowa. John Pena, UAW, Local 94, Dubuque, Iowa. Chris Allender, UAW 249. And I'm with uh, Orlando, UAW Local 788. Today, this week has been an education, and we're all equally treated wrongly. (laughs) But um, anyways, Gene, how did you get involved with the UAW? I got involved with the UAW through a lot of mistreatment, mismanagement, the abuse from management, the abuse from my union brothers, the abuse from my leadership. The negligence and complacency sparked a little bit of flame inside of me. Josh? Uh, I really just, uh, when I was young, I, I started at night when I was 19 years old. Um, it was my first UAW plant, got in, and I was kind of dropped into this department that was kind of, uh, seemed to be left behind and forgotten about, and I want to say 90% of that department was all new hires at that time, and uh, the work, you know, the work for that were assigned to those people in those apartment. It was almost as if uh, we were working twice as hard as what appeared to other people were around us, and um, uh, we wanted to do something about that. We tried to um, get with management and work on that stuff. Um, we talked to some reps in the UAW that kind of guided us in the right direction, and um, I saw the camaraderie and everything that happened on that line, and that's uh, that's when I started getting really involved in the UAW. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I worked with Josh. Josh and I worked together. We kind of hired in at the same time. Uh, but I had worked at a UAW shop prior to that. Um, and what sparked me uh, to get involved was just, I felt at the time, a lack of leadership, a lack of participation. Uh, the leadership that I did have at that local was very burnt out, very jaded, and they needed some uh, they needed help, so I became a department steward. I uh, did that for a couple of years before uh, going to a different factory to work, and uh, which was also uh, UAW. Um, yeah, uh, the solidarity uh, the, the, that's always intrigued me. Uh, uh, for the UAW in particular, I think uh, the format, the hierarchy. Uh, I think in that in that union, because uh, I had been in other unions prior to that, uh, the hierarchy and the way the UAW is set up really does uh, give the worker the power to be involved uh, and have a voice. So, yes, that those are things I align with. Chris, well, how did you get involved with the UAW? In 2017, I had the opportunity to get elected to go to summer school. And when I was down there, a fire was just lit inside of me. And when I came back from summer school, I just hit the ground running. I joined the education committee. uh, And I helped create a flying picketing team where we hear about other locals who are on strike. And we go out and join them and walk the line with them and just join in with them. And now it's been just rolling on. I can see where you mean by getting a fire lit up because this uh, conference for myself has been eye-opening. 
I um, got on the phone right after President Ray Curry spoke, and I called my local president and told him to him, I need 10 minutes with our executive board and our bargaining committee, and I'm reading them the riot act. There, there's too much complacency within our local, and it's time to change. Good for you. Christopher, the one thing, I think the first night we met, you all were talking about your, lo your local in Missouri was able to overturn right-to-work right state. Um, can you tell me a little bit how, how you went about doing that? <clears throat> we, uh, my local is heavily involved in the community, and we started calling on all of our community activists with groups like KC Tenants and Stand Up KC, and we just hit the streets hard. We were out in the community asking for help and showing them that it's not a right to work. It's not, it has nothing to do with your right to work. It's all about taking your power away and taking things from you and making it so that you have to rely on the company and not your own self and not the power within you and the people that you work with. So you were, you were, you were able to get multiple, I'm assuming, multiple unions through I, um, Kansas City or through Missouri to help organize this? Yes, uh, this is, every time the, this right to work has come up to vote in Missouri, we have voted it down by 70 plus percent. And this last time we actually voted it down by 76 percent. And so the numbers are getting, the, the more voting on it, the more people are coming out to turn it down. Yes, and that's why the, this last time they were trying to sneak it into our constitution so we wouldn't have the right to try to appeal it and vote on it and give the power to the people. And they were trying to strip us from our power, just like these companies are trying to do with our contract and our collective bargaining. Yeah, I, the, uh, the governor with the state that I'm from is a piece of work. Gene. I, I apologize, y'all. I'm bad with names, but Gene, you you said you were a um, a committee man. What 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 you what do you see is the hardest thing in your local, as in getting people um, motivated to participate? The you know what what's what's what do you see that's your hardest? Well, I feel the biggest challenge would be that the majority of people in my plant, and this is most plants I wouldn't assume, is they think union, by paying union dues, is the most of their union activity. That I don't have to do anything because I pay money. And because I pay money, you owe me, right? So they don't feel like they have to put the work in. They don't feel that they have to participate. They believe that just dues is good enough. Um, so the more we push at them, the more they push back. Like, no, I pay dues. You owe me this. This is what you owe me because you take $52 each month out of my paycheck. So to get around that challenge is, you know, sometimes you got to let management put the fear of God into them. You know, sometimes that's a necessity. That definitely works. Absolutely. And you give them grade A representation. They come. They come. Right. They come. They understand the necessity when, it's, when they're in the hot seat. If they're not in the hot seat, and there's nothing, there's no objectives coming at them that's going to negatively impact their jobs, then they're complacent. They feel dudes is good enough. It's a shame. 
because I've, I've had the opportunity to work both at a organized and unorganized facility and I can I can tell you being work being worked 60 hours a week and being told you're coming in on Saturday you're coming in on Sunday what about and, and going what, what about my family F your family you're coming in the company's more important than your family that's working for a Japanese company though now other challenges that do come again like when you said you forced to work on a weekend GM General Motors is perfect at this they'll say if you go faster today, we'll get out of a Saturday. And when we're not even thinking about working a Saturday, but they use these fear tactics, these psychological fear tactics to get us to go faster and stuff. Um, the other issue we have with our membership not participating in the union is temporary employees. I got nothing bad to say about temporary employees, but when they do come in, they come in without the background of unionship. The majority comes in without being raised in a union household. So they have zero knowledge, zero. Versus the old GM before 2015, it was a reference thing. You get five references and then you bring in your family. So it's usually all family, but now we're getting people off the streets that dilute our union because the, the lack of union. So they depend on management because they have no idea what it's like to be a union member or what's expected from them. Speaking of unions, I want to congratulate you guys with John Deere. You struck when you didn't have to, and you, and you well, and I'll, I'll you, you guys took a stand, and hopefully other locals will take what you take what you the groundwork that you set and move forward with it. But bravo, I I applaud you both, and and your union brothers and sisters. I know it wasn't a work. I know it wasn't an easy. I've been on strike before. You guys were up for six weeks, correct? Yes, yes. five weeks, or, thirty-five days. Um, I know. I know. I don't want to get into too much of the it or the the inside stuff, but sure. at, at a personal level, what? How did you prepare for the strike? Save, 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 save. Um, you can never have too much money. Um, a lot of financial advisors would say to have at least 90 days of your income uh, or of your bills, monthly bills in a savings account. I would say six to eight months. Uh, if you can do that, you'll be in good shape. But save, I know it's hard, but you gotta have find a way to save. Uh, what about you, Josh? What do you think? Uh, I think that's one of the the most important messages is you know try to get your your house in order financially and be prepared for that stuff. Um, the only thing I would really add to that is, you know, we had a lot of meetings in preparation to that to d discuss, you know, things we should do and what, what's going to be expected of us. And um, uh, it really surprised me how much actually, how many people actually turned out for it uh, when that started, when it started coming down to the wire, how many people were coming out and supporting each other and how supportive everybody was while we were out on strike. So. so I think people are afraid, right? People, yeah. uh, when it got closer, you could cut the tension in that factory with a knife. Um, I mean, our, our labor agreement expired technically on October 1st, uh, and then we worked two more weeks under an extension, uh, and, they, and they tried to negotiate. Um, after we turned down that first agreement, right? Yep. Um, we worked under extension for two weeks, and then the second tentative came back. We voted on that, and 
that was it, and then we were out. But uh, we saw a lot more engagement from the membership as we got closer to the October date. Uh, but Josh and I facilitated uh, strike preparedness uh, and strike benefit training, I should say. Not really strike preparedness as much as what, what to expect. Uh, we had utilized all the information that we had gotten from international that way people understood, you know, what was expected of them, as like Josh said, and how much to, but they would be receiving, and how the health insurance and things like that would work, and when they would get paid, um, approximately when they would get paid. Um, what do you think about the solidarity during it? Well, that's what I was going to say. I think that we showed everybody uh, the power that solidarity has. Oh, we got a great contract. I was, when I was a Bell helicopter, I was out for six weeks. We, our problem was, we, they weren't financially prepared. Three weeks into it, people started crossing the picket line. Now, Grant, you know, you always had the initials, never were members of the union. A, fun, a funny story, um, there's a worker, no one knows his real name, they always called him Wolfman, Wolfman because he would cross the picket line in, his, in a rented truck with a Wolfman mask. And that was, everyone knew him as Wolfman. There was always the, he could, that could be him, that could be him, but no one would ever, um, no one ever knew the true identity of the Wolfman. Did you have any problems with uh, people crossing the line? No, uh, but John Deere didn't allow it either. Um, so we had 11 scabs, uh, I think, at the time when we went out on strike. Uh, and even then, even them, Deer didn't allow it. They kept the place locked up. Uh, they had their salaried workers, their engineers, and their supervisors trying to build machinery while we were out, but they never did re uh, bring in replacement workers, or um, we did not have anyone try to cross the picket line. Not that we know of, anyway. We've heard rumors, potentially, that some people did, and we just didn't know it. Um, we're still looking into that. No. I can guarantee you that I can guarantee you that the truth will come out eventually. Yeah. Someone will slip up and they'll go, so and so did this and so and so did that. And yeah. like I said, karma comes twofold. But I think for the most part, people people were uh, people were on board. Excellent, Josh. You want to add anything to that? No. Yeah. Gary, welcome. Well, hey, how are you? Good. We were um, we got talking about right to work. Chris filled us in a little bit. You want to um, add a little bit more to what it took to get that on the ballot for right to work to be turned down or turned over, overturned? It took work. It took a lot of, a lot of work. Um, ultimately, companies can outspend us, but they can't outorganize us. And uh, the, the thing about that is... is um, Unions from all across Missouri came together in one sweeping show of solidarity and we beat back uh, the corporations that were trying to beat us down for, uh, for all those years. Excellent. Okay, last question. When you guys return back to your prospective facilities, what's the first thing you want to change from what you learned this week? I'm going to start with Gene. The first thing I'd like to change is the participation. I'd like to fill up my steering committees. I'd like to have a co-chair in the education committee. I'm going to determine it from my membership. I'm going to demand it from them. 
I'm tired of asking. So now I have a list of people. I made a list while I was in class. Those guys that have a little bit of interest, they're going to be on our standard committee when I get back. No questions asked. Josh? I am, uh, this has been quite an experience. I think what I can't wait to do when I get back is um, start looking at like really a lot of the stuff we've developed already and improving that uh, so we can give a better um, experience to the members and, and educating them. Um, I'm really just excited to go back and I'm, I'm, I'm actually more excited about um, this member to member stuff that we're learning and going out there and talking to each person individually um, and I really want to get all of our committees filled. I, I, want it, I want it to get to a point where people are competing to get in these committees and I don't have to go out and uh, uh, ask people to join, you know what I mean? I want I want people to have the passion that I'm feeling now since I, I've been out here. John, you want to add anything to that? Same. I, I think Josh, you know, Josh and I work together, right? He's a, I'm a committeeman. He's our union time study rep. Um, we work at the same facility, so we're on the education yeah, committee education together. Um, the member to member is what we, I, I know, right? We, yes. we, him and I have talked about it. That's what we need to work on. Um, get that network built uh, and I think we can do that and I think he's right I'd like to get to a place where you actually have to have elections and or draw from hats but at this point you know uh, talking to our local president he told us I don't care anybody that wants to be on a standing committee can come and sign up anytime I'm not, I won't deny anyone so you know we, we usually do it in the fall where we have the open enrollment but our local president is fine with somebody, if we find people now that want to come and sign up, come sign up, you're on it. So we'll get there. Christopher? I'm just excited to get back and get back to work and continue to grow and learn and become a better union activist for not only myself, but for my local, my community, and my entire union. There's so much more that I can do myself and that our, my membership can do by some of the information I've learned from down here. Gary? Well, during, uh, me and Josh shared the same class and, and, and during uh, that class we had two minute presentations and somebody was speaking about gardening and that, that got me thinking. That uh, I used to put a lot of blame on the membership. But then I, I started thinking, uh, especially about that gardening segment, segment was uh, oftentimes, do we blame the flower when it doesn't bloom? Or do we check the soil? Do we check the temperament? Do we check the environment? And I want to I take that lesson back. I wanna, I'm not going to blame the flower when it doesn't bloom. I'm going to find out uh, what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing as the gardener to check the soil. If I have to change the environment, if I have to... If I have to uh, give that flower space, I learned uh, in my class today that uh, that <clears throat> there were aspects of my union that I was ignoring, and that, I mean that deeply troubled me. Uh, we're an amalgamated unit. I knew I knew a lot about our our the majority of our membership, but I knew very very little about the amalgamated part of our of our unit, and uh, and I think that we have to look inward to our, our faults and where we're forgetting because ultimately um, that might be the next uh, education chair of my local. That might, uh, Chris is on, on my uh, committee, he might be the next education chair. I might find one 
in there. Uh, I can't judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree anymore. I have to, I have to judge a fish by its ability to swim. Amen. Amen to that. Well, brothers, thank you for sharing your thoughts and your plights and everything. And until next time.